Hey, good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. Thank you for being with me. You no doubt have heard that we hit the $31.4 trillion debt ceiling, and yet the government has continued normal operations. Uh, this is one of those situations where there are ominous there are ominous predictions. How many times have we heard, well, uh, the government, uh, if such and such isn't done, the government's going to shut down. And now we're told, if such and such isn't done, we're going to hit the uh, debt ceiling. And in, after a while, you stop paying much attention to these uh, what appear to be you know ominous predictions of what's going to happen if we don't uh, meet this you know some criterion. With me right now to talk about what's going on here is Chad Garcia. He's vice president and lead portfolio manager for the uh, Ave Maria Focus Funds and co-portfolio manager for the Ave Maria Growth Funds. And Chad, it's good to have you back here. Thanks. Thanks to be on. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing uh, very well, in fact. I, what do we make of these statements? Uh, we, we're told that you know when we hit the $31.4 trillion debt ceiling, there's going to be chaos. Um, what, what is the significance of the debt ceiling if nothing happens? Well, if nothing happens, then the government's not going to be able to make interest payments on their debt, and government debt would be in default, which would be a serious, a ser- you know, very serious problem. That's a catastrophe. That, yeah, it'd be catastrophic. If that happened, then uh, there would be a loss of confidence in the dollar, and you know that could, that would lead to the dollar losing its value, which would impact the savings of U.S. and, and U.S. citizens and investors. It would have massive implications in the global financial markets. Every financial instrument, whether it be a bond or a stock, is priced off of the interest rate of U.S. government debt, which people view to be risk-free. And every other financial instrument is priced at a premium to that mm-hmm. based on its perceived level of risk. And so if you if the risk-free rate's not risk-free anymore, then you know, the whole whole financial system could be yeah. could be uh, in for a very rough time. So, so is our Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen taking extraordinary steps here? She is. She is. So the she's able to take some measures that would push the the problem off until later this summer. And so, what she's doing right now is the U.S. Treasury has some investments that she's selling. And she has the ability to withhold the reinvestment of interest that government employees, pension funds are earning. And if she doesn't put those investments into accounts that are priced off treasury bills, then they don't count against the the U.S. debt. You know, basically, it's an accounting gimmick, but wow. it, it works in in for the and, short uh, term. If you look at the it works in the short term. It gives us it gives the the government um, time to to resolve this this issue. Yeah. I mean, it's happened before, um, at least three times in in in, in my lifetime. I remember the, the first time I remember it happening was with Ginrich and and Clinton. Yeah, you know, had, came to an impasse, and then there was a more serious one in in the summer of 2011. Um, but Treasury secretaries for a long time have been playing accounting gimmicks to make sure that 
the U.S. government doesn't go to default. I mean, this goes back to the time of the first Treasury Secretary, Alexander Hamilton. Yeah. Okay. Well, what I guess the question many of us have is debt is not a great thing, but it's always considered in relationship to your assets or your productive capacity. So when we talk about a $30 trillion debt ceiling, how dangerous is that given the size of the U.S. economy, given our productivity, given our assets? Is is this a dangerous number? I think that Congress is correct to be concerned about the debt. I mean, it's $30 trillion. We got eight of those $30 trillion since COVID. Mm-hmm. So there was massive amounts of government spending you know, during COVID. My question is, is this the right place and time to have a fight? Okay. You know, I don't. I don't think that it's worth going into default yeah. just because you want to be principled on, on debt. There's, there's ways to, to, to figure that to, for the government to figure that out. I mean, if I was in Congress and I wanted to fight the debt, fight debt, the first step is during the annual budgeting process, you could fight it there mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. right now. Um, there is no one committee in Congress that controls the budgeting process. Each committee is responsible for their portion of the budget and everybody wants to fight for programs that are that are their programs or beneficial to their constituents. Okay. If if Congress made it where one committee controlled all the spending, they could have a, a much more efficient time, you know, cutting the fat out of the budget. So, that, so that's would be that would be my my focus if I was in Congress. Okay, so uh, you would you would urge them then um, to do move slowly, but would do, how much time do they have? I guess is what I'm asking. Can they resolve this by the summer? Oh, I think I think they will because they need to, and you know they Congress has has done it, has, has resolved it, and not gone into default um, in in the past. I, I don't I don't think it's a it's it's a non-zero risk that we go into default, but it's very very low. And so the way I think this is going to play out is, you know, right now Congress is moving very slowly. It, it took the Speaker you know, several rounds to get enough support from his own party to be elected Speaker. There's a lot of arguing going on in Congress. Mm-hmm. The committee appointments are running behind schedule. You know, the, this issue needs to be resolved by the summertime. In the meantime, I think we'll see members of both parties introduce bills that mostly pander to their respective bases. I think we've seen a bill already from the Republicans that wants to eliminate the IRS. We're going to see a lot of spinny bills coming out of the Democrats. Most of these bills won't pass. And sooner or later, they'll they'll get down to resolving the issue because okay. they need to. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> what else is going on in Washington? Well, the Federal Reserve indicated that they're going to raise rates another 25 basis points. That's one quarter of 1% next week. And, you know, they will do more if needed. I think 
the Federal Reserve is going to continue to raise rates until they see an upward movement in unemployment numbers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Employment figures are still strong, though this is a, a lagging indicator. You know, it does seem like inflation is coming down. Oil prices and natural gas prices are well off their highs. Okay. Food prices are starting to come down, with the exception, with the exception maybe of eggs, but eggs is not driven up by monetary supply. It's driven up by avian flu decimating the the, the, the herd of layers. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, is the Ukraine war uh, taking much of a having much of an effect on our economy? Well, it's having a much more more effect on the Europeans than ours. <laughs> but even uh, but the, but the Europeans seem to be handling it pretty well. Much they're handling it much better than I than I expected them to. Uh, they are benefiting a, a bit from a warm winter, which softened the blow for higher energy prices. Um, they're making changes on, in how they consume energy, and so one example would be ammonia production uses a lot of natural gas. They've just stopped making ammonia in Europe and they're importing it from places like the, like the United States mm-hmm. where natural gas is, is much cheaper. And so they, they are building up their natural gas stocks in Europe, which is, which is good. Um, notably the Europeans and the U S have decided to provide tanks to Ukraine. Um, that, War has taken much longer to resolve than I yeah. initially thought it would, right? And which is yeah. which is probably which is good for the Ukrainians. Yeah, um, I mean, it's we keep thinking we keep thinking that Putin's uh, going to run into trouble because the Russian people uh, won't support the war. Uh, are things getting worse for him? I think he's going to continue to try to grind down. Ukraine until the until Ukraine's trying us to either kick his troops out or he loses support at home, and you know the sanctions are taking their toll on the on the Russian economy. Okay. Okay. So your your guess is good as mine on 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 uh, how long it takes the Russians to to get him out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, let me ask you about uh, how the uh, Ave Maria funds have been doing. Uh, uh, they're doing they're doing great uh, on a one year basis. Our value fund and our rising dividend fund are in the top one percentile uh, as compared to the Morningstar Peer Group. Wow! The growth fund and the bond fund are both in the top ten percent, and our world equity fund is in the top quartile. No. The focus fund, which is the one I manage, had a little bit of a tough time last year. I tried to buy companies when they're not well well understood and. If you have the market going down, then those those types of companies, if they're not understood by the market, can go down go down with it. But um, it seems to have bottomed, and it's coming up strong this year. It's up about 13 percent um, year to date in you know, the month of January versus the the benchmark, which is up about 45 percent. So, oh, that's, that's fantastic! Happy. No, that's great. Listeners, uh, you know, we have new listeners popping in uh, all the time, and even for listeners who've been with us a while. Uh, why don't you go ahead and explain the whole purpose of the Ave Maria Family of Funds? The purpose of the Ave Maria Family of Funds is to give Catholics a way to invest and do so in a way that doesn't compromise their 
moral values. So we do not invest in companies that produce or distribute pornography, that participate in embryonic stem cell research, or donate to Planned Parenthood or participate in abortion. And, uh, you know, the question that people always raise when they know that you've got, uh, you know, uh, a criteria like this, they wonder, how severely does that limit your investment options? Well, there, there's a handful of companies that we that we can't in, invest in, but I don't think it's going to, if you if you look at the performance of our funds, it's not really impacting it. Yeah, as, right. I, as I said earlier, the, the value fund, the right dividend fund, are in the top of one percent. That's amazing. You know, yeah. yeah, two other funds are in the top ten percent of of their peer group. So, yeah, well, you can, uh, you can invest. You can invest. Um, you can invest along with your conscience and, and still do quite well. Yeah, tell people how they can get in touch uh, with you or with the Ave Maria funds, so they can part- get learn more. Sure, they can give us a call at 866-AVE-MARIA or find us online at AveMariaFunds.com. Very good. Uh, Give it to us one more time, would you, Chad? Sure, 866-AVE-MARIA or AveMariaFunds.com. Very good. Hey, thanks for joining me today. We'll talk again soon. My pleasure. Chad Garcia from the Ave Maria Funds and Shorts Investment Council, Inc. I'm Al Cresta. 